Good morning. Once again, we want to acknowledge to our Father and our God in heaven that we are grateful for all of his love, mercy, and blessings. As I look at the chat messages that come across, uh, certainly uh, it is indicative of the nature of the chats that God is still blessing us. Uh, and having said that, I am mindful of the fact that this uh, COVID-19 pandemic has changed things for all of us. Uh, I am also mindful of the fact that it has not affected all of us to the same degree. There are some that are sick with the virus even as we speak. There are some that have died from the virus. There are some that are experiencing financial hardships because of the shutdowns. And to this, uh, 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 to this list, a host of other things could be added. Uh, but one of the things that I'm grateful for is that God offers to us true consolation in our times of trial and adversity. And, and when I say true consolation, I, I mean that God doesn't call for us to act like everything is fine and nothing bothers us. Uh, you know, ignoring uh, and denying our troubles is in no way helpful. Uh, and God doesn't call for us to ignore or deny our circumstances. What he does call for is that we trust his loving kindness and his faithfulness. And one of the things that will help us to do this is to remember what God has done for us in the past. Uh, I am a firm believer that God has blessed us so that he may bless us. And thus uh, in Psalm 42, verse number 11, we read, why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Uh, so the question was asked, why am I sad and why am I discouraged? Uh, hope in God. God is always worthy of praise, and God is going to bring us through this. Now, he hasn't uh, consulted with me as to how, uh, but we need to trust his loving kindness. We need to trust his faithfulness, and for all of God's blessings, we ought to be eternally grateful. Uh, before we attend to the message for this morning, uh, I want to share with you, I, I endeavor to stay in touch with other gospel preachers, uh, not only in this area, but, but across our nation. And many of you may not know, but uh, uh, in our brotherhood, the, the ministers have decided to make today uh, a, a day in observing uh, 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 thematic sermons on hope. And across uh, this nation in our brotherhood, many of our brothers will be preaching sermons that revolve around the concept of hope. Now, the gospel of Christ Jesus is itself a message of hope, but in light of the current global situation, uh, I think it a good thing to put an extra emphasis uh, on hope. And, and again, I just marvel at the providential hand of God uh, that I didn't have to tweak my sermon a, a whole lot uh, for you to see hope in it. And prayerfully, you will uh, take courage uh, by the hope that we find uh, articulated to us in Scripture. And prayerfully, this will bless all of us in the days that lie ahead. 
Now, having said that, we want to direct your attention again to Job chapter 42. Uh, I want to read there starting at verse number 12. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and a thousand yoke of oxen and a thousand donkeys. He also had uh, he had also seven sons and three daughters. Uh, dropping down to verse 16, after this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons even for generations. So Job died being old and full of days. Uh, based on the account, again, that we have here in Job chapter 42, we want to use this morning as a subject, happily ever after. And, and I hope you catch the inflection in my voice. I intend that to be uh, a, a question. And as we consider the text that we have before us here in Job chapter 42, uh, let me give you a spoiler alert. The only time it will be accurately said that anyone lives happily after, uh, happily ever after is when the saved get to heaven. In, in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse number 16, Paul says, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And when we get to that eternal home of the soul, having heard Jesus say, well done, my good and faithful sermon, uh, servant, I am persuaded that from there on, we will live happily ever after. But when we look at the account of Job, I believe that the account of Job is as relevant to our circumstance as it ever has been. And if we were to identify some of the major themes of the book of Job, surely one of the major themes would be adversity. And our current world situation is an adverse time. But I pray that we will see adversity not as a monster to be feared, but as an opportunity and a challenge to be embraced. And, and, and as we go through this adverse time, may we be mindful of the fact that through our every adversity that we are kept by the restraining and sustaining hand of God. You remember 1 Corinthians 10, verse number 13, where Paul says, there is no temptation that has taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful in that he will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able to bear, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. I'm just glad for the word of Paul in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I'm glad that he reminds us that God is faithful. I'm glad that God has measured my faith and decided in his grace and mercy that he will keep me from things that are greater than my faith. So when we look at Job, not only is adversity one of the major things there, 
uh, but hope is also one of the major themes uh, uh, in the book of Job. And, and the account of Job, and I believe I've said this before, the account of Job is grown folks' business. Uh, the lessons we learn in Job will help you grow up in Christ Jesus. And in many ways, spiritual maturity parallels social maturity. I, I believe that we're aware of the fact that there's a difference between a child and an adult. Do you remember the words of the apostle in 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 11? He says, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And one of the things we're able to determine from what Paul says is that being an adult is not a matter of attaining a certain number of years. Paul said you can tell the difference between a child and an adult uh, uh, by the way they act and the way they think and, and the way they are able to perceive and understand things. See, and when we look at children, and I'm not saying this is all children, but, but certainly uh, ought to be more common in children than those of us who are three times seven or some, something beyond that. But, but a child thinks I, I should get my way all the time and I'm going to pout if I don't. Uh, uh, an adult knows better than that. Do you remember the words of maturity from Job in Job chapter two, verse number 10? You remember his wife said to him, do you, stay, do you still retain your integrity? Curse God and die. But, but then Job spoke like an adult. He said, shall we receive good at the hand of God and not evil as well? Uh, Job uh, appreciated God is free in life to allow whatsoever he deems fit. And it is our lot in life to be faithful to him, no matter what it is that he allows in our living. In the same way uh, that Job expressed an uh, uh, adult uh, perspective in Job 2 verse number 10, in the same way as I grow up, my desire and my hope become more adult-like. I, I believe at least initially, uh, our hope and our desire are that God will deliver us from trouble. I, I don't know about you, but when adversity comes my way, I, I want God to do something about the adversity. But as I grow up, I may still desire that God deliver me from my trouble, but at some point, my desire should be that God will be glorified, however this thing works out. And my hope is that God will preserve me through whatever may be. See, as I grow up, I appreciate it's not just about me. It's not just about what happens to me. I want God to be glorified. And however God uses me, then I'm all right with that. Now, again, that's grown folks' business. So as we look here at Job chapter 42, and we attempt to glean uh, uh, from this account what God uh, declares to us, I, I believe one of the things that we find as we look through this account is that adversity equips us for greater adversity. Now, I'm not saying we ought to be gluttons for punishment and, and just be smiling from ear to ear when unpleasant things happen to us. And when I say uh, uh, that adversity equips us for greater adversity, appreciate that it means if I'm faithful to God through my present adversity, it builds my faith and allows God to call my name for something greater. You remember at the start of all of this that God called Job by name? 
uh, when Satan showed up, God said, have you considered my servant Job? Now, I believe God had other servants uh, at that particular time, but, but he called Job's name for a reason. And, and when we consider the account of Job, one of the things that we see is that this account is about more and more important things than what happened to Job. And, and I know as we go through life, when adversity happens, it's easy to see what it's doing to me. It, it's easy to see how my circumstances are harder. And, and, and sometimes I, I, I'm not trying to be selfish, but these things are happening to me. But we need to be aware of the fact that life is about more and more important things than just what happened to me. When we look at Job's account, not only was Job's faith on trial, the integrity of God himself was on trial. Do you remember uh, the evil accusation that, that uh, Satan made at the start of all of this back in Job 1, 9 and 10? You remember Satan said, does Job fear God for no reason? You've blessed his work on every hand. You've set a hedge of protection around him. What Satan has really accused God of is a form of bribery. And, and so it's not just Job that Satan has took issue with, but Satan has laid an evil accusation uh, uh, against God himself. And may God bless us to appreciate that the lives that we live are in some way a commentary on the God we serve. See, as a child of God, you are his servant, you are his steward, but you are also his representative. And the way that I live my life in some way is a commentary uh, on the God that I serve. Uh, if you were raised in a proper house, I, I believe you'll appreciate what I'm about to say. Hey, have you ever had your parents say to you, don't embarrass me? Well, well, it begs to question, how does my behavior embarrass my parents? Well, see, my behavior is a commentary on how they raised me. Uh, uh, you ever had somebody say, act like you had some home training? Well, who trains you at home? Your parents do. And so my behavior is in some way a commentary on the way that my parents raised me. And in the same way, the life that I live is in some way a commentary on the God that I serve. Are his promises real? Do they mean anything to me? Or do I believe that God just talks? Uh, because if his promises are real and they mean something to me, then I have hope even in a time as such as we are living in right now. And one of the things that will help us in our adversity is the word remember. And, and maybe somebody says, remember what? Well, remember number one, that God is faithful and that God is able. And to have been through something is to have the blessing to be able to look back on what God has already done. And what he has already done ought to give me hope and ought to give me faith and comfort about what he will do, not just in the present, but also in the future. Uh, uh, when we read our Bibles, uh, remember, it was remembering uh, uh, that gave David the courage to go out and face a giant. Do you remember that in 1 Samuel chapter 17? David says, uh, uh, there came a lion and there came a bear, and, and God delivered me from, from both of those. And if God delivered me from the lion and the bear, then God can deliver me from this giant uh, as well. David remembered God's blessings. 
uh, uh, the thing that helped the prophet Jeremiah and, and that gave him hope and, and the courage to declare the mercies of God in the face of a national calamity was remembering the God that he served. Uh, in Lamentation 3, verse 21 and 22, Jeremiah said, this I recall to my mind. Now, what he's saying is I had to stop and remember. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Jeremiah says, I have hope because I remember. Well, what did you remember, Jeremiah? I remember the God that I serve. You know, as we go through this COVID-19 pandemic, I hope at some point we recall to our minds the God that we serve so that we'll have hope. And then he says in verse number 22, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Jeremiah appreciated, as bad as it is, uh, we deserve worse. And God has brought us through things before. And I remember God's loving kindness. I remember God's faithfulness. And so I have hope even in light of the present circumstance. Adversity equips us for greater adversity. Now that's grown folk talk. Who, who likes to suffer? Or who wants to suffer? But God says that may be the way that I choose to use you. But looking further at the text here uh, in Job chapter 42, and, and God blessed Job with twice what he had before, and blessed him with 10 more children. But I believe that not only does adversity equip us for greater adversity, but adversity can clarify our perspective. You know, we don't see everything as it really exists. Sometimes we see things the way we wanna see them. Sometimes we see things the way we think they should be. Sometimes we see things based on what other folk told us they should look like. But what we really want to learn to do is we want to learn to see things as God sees things. See, adversity can help us to see not only the world around us more clearly, it can help us to see ourselves more clearly. There in chapter 42 in verse number uh, three, uh, uh, who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Job said, look, I may not see this thing with 20-20 vision, but I see it better than I saw it before. I was focusing on what happens to me, and I was focusing on how it wasn't right because I hadn't done anything evil. But, but Job said, but now I see more clearly that this isn't just about a, a reward for every deed that I've done. There are things that God is doing that I may be clueless about. Well, it has been said, the more you learn, the more you appreciate how much you don't know. I think that's all of our experience with the word of God. You know, the more you learn what the scriptures tell us, the more you appreciate what you don't know about the God that we serve. But when we look at the things that happen in life, like Job came to appreciate, we must embrace the fact that we can't see what God sees. And not being able to see what God sees, I, I'm in no position to question what he does or what he allows. Now, sometimes we can figure it out. Sometimes we have a good idea. But even if I'm altogether clueless, I, I can't see what God sees. And so it's not my place to question the God I say that I serve. 
And you know, even in retrospect, we may not see what God sees. You ever look back on something that's happened in your life and you still can't figure out why it happened the way that it did? What Job did come to see is that life is bigger than any one individual. Sometimes we need just the clarity of perspective that life isn't always about me. Everything that goes on in my life that involves me, I may not be the central character. I, I may not be uh, uh, the one that was to learn a lesson from all of this. I may have just been a vessel in God's service. The apostle Paul declared to the Philippians that his adversity was actually a catalyst for spreading uh, uh, the gospel of Christ Jesus. You remember Philippians 1 verse number 12, Paul said, I want you to know, brothers, that the things that have happened to me have fallen out for the furtherance of the gospel. And, and I'm sure somebody was asking back then, well, you know, Paul's a faithful servant and he preaches and he's willing to endure things that nobody else will. Why would God allow him to suffer? Well, if the question is asked, uh, why does God allow his faithful servants to suffer? Paul's answer there in Philippians 1 verse number 12 lends clarity to our expected uh, perspective. See, sometimes God is working on a level that we can't see. Sometimes God sees things that we are altogether clueless about. But I'm glad that my perspective and my knowledge are not limitations for God. But I need to be open to the fact when it looks like things are, are askew, it is not that things are askew, it's my perspective that needs to be brought in focus. God is ever faithful and he is always just. But then there is a, a third thing that we wanna give attention to this morning. Uh, not only does adversity uh, equip us for greater adversity and adversity can clarify our perspective, uh, but it's also true that adversity can increase our understanding. Uh, again, we don't know nearly as much as we think we do. And when we look at this account, Job didn't understand everything even after the events of this account that are relayed to us. But I believe he understood more than he had previously. And, and I think as we go through life, we may understand better, but we don't understand nearly on the level that God does. You know, we sing that old song sometime, we will understand it better by and by. What are we saying when we sing that? We are admitting that I don't know everything. There are things that I can't uh, 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 make heads or tails of in my mind, but I trust God's faithfulness. And what I need to see, uh, uh, God will show me, but I'm not God and I don't know or understand everything. And, and, and let me stress uh, uh, that Job's understanding of all that happened was limited. Job himself said, look, I've spoken about things too wonderful. Uh, Job wanted to question God. How is this right? Why is this fair? There are wicked people that haven't suffered what I've suffered. Uh, how is it right that I'm suffering this? It, Job came to understand, look, it's not my place to question God. What God allows, he is just and holy to allow, and he doesn't owe me any explanation. I belong to him. It's not like he belongs to me. And we may not understand why we go through what we go through, but if we are faithful to God, we will understand him better. You know, I, it, it's one thing to talk about God, 
It's another thing to understand God. And being faithful to God through adversity will open our eyes to the power of God. See, we are intellectually aware of God's power. I'm sure that all of us can quote Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, God did some things there that we can't begin to explain. I don't know how you make something out of nothing. Sometimes I can't make something out of something. I don't know how you are eternal and are without beginning or without end. I accept those things by faith. But while we are intellectually aware of God's power, we need to be personally persuaded of God's power. In 2 Timothy 1 and verse number 12 in your Bibles, Paul says, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. See, Paul speaking on a personal level there. Paul said, it's not just about people talking about God is good or God is able. Paul says, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And I submit to you that nothing will help you understand the power of God like, like being delivered from adversity. And I don't just mean God's power to change things. And I'm glad God has the power to change things. But you see, the power of God transcends his being able to remove my trouble. And I'm glad God can remove my trouble. I'm glad that God restrains what trouble comes my way. But, but appreciate the power of God is able to sustain me through my trouble and change my sorrow to rejoicing. Now, that's some power. I think it takes more power to change a person's mind about trouble than it does to simply remove the circumstance. See, you can remove the circumstance, and I'm the same old me that I always was. You know, we don't always say thank you when somebody does something for us. But when you change my attitude towards trouble, when I go from crying over a problem to rejoicing that the, that the hand of God keeps me, don't you know that's what happened to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 when we read about his thorn in the flesh? Paul says he prayed three times for God to take that thorn. That's what we want. Man, when adversity comes our way, what we really want is relief. But you remember what God said to him, if Paul asked three times, then three times God said no. But I'm glad that's not all he said. You remember God said, my grace is sufficient for you. And Paul went from praying that God would take the thing to rejoicing that God left it. Paul said, I will glory in my infirmity because the power of God rests on me when I go through adversity. The power of God changed Paul's mind. Now, that's some power. And we need to understand better that power. Not that God will always take away my adversity, not that God will always change my circumstance, but understand that God is able to sustain me through my adversity and even change my mind about going through what I went through. Now, don't get me wrong, adversity is unpleasant. That's why it's called adversity. But God can take me from whining and complaining about my adversity to rejoicing in the fact that he blesses me to be greater than the adversity that we have to go through. That's why we ought to have hope. Not because God will do what we want to do. You know, you hear people talking about they claimed something. Well, I, I don't claim anything other than what God gave me license to claim. 
I don't know how God is going to work this thing out. I just know that he is. I, I don't know who is going to sit, get sick and who is not going to get sick. I, I just know that there's another body that's coming after this one that can't get sick with a, a corona or swine flu or Spanish flu or anything else. I leave that up to God. My hope is not in knowing how this thing will turn out. My hope is in knowing that the God that I serve is faithful and that he is able. And the God that is God calls all men to be reconciled to him in Christ Jesus, that all men might share in the hope that comes from being a child of God. And he does this by causing the gospel message to be preached. And he requires that we hear that gospel message, Romans 10, verse 17. He requires that we believe Jesus to be the Christ, John 8, verse 24, that we be willing to turn from sin, that's called repentance, Luke 13, 3, Luke 13, 5, that we make the confession of faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, Matthew 10, verse 32, and that we be baptized in water for the remission of sins, Acts 2, verse 38. And when we go down into the waters of baptism in obedience to the command of God, God washes away our sins by the blood of Christ Jesus and dwells us with his spirit and he adds us to the church. And thereafter, he requires that we live obediently, Ephesians 4, verse 1, that we walk worthy of the vocation by which we have been called, whether it be a day of prosperity or whether it be a day of adversity. But even in our days of adversity, may we ever remember that we are kept by the restraining and the sustaining hand of God. If you're listening to this broadcast and you want to be baptized into Christ Jesus, if you're listening to this broadcast and you want the children of God to pray for you, then we bid you reach out to our leaders at elders at laurelchurch.net and we will be willing to meet uh, the need that you have. At this time, we'll have the song of invitation. <laughs> 